Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. And be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. This scripture this week has really kicked me about as hard in the face as I've been kicked while studying scripture in my life. And it's a long list. And, and I'm not going to read it all to you because we would be like Ezra in chapter 8 or 9. There would be here till sundown, you know, the sun up, the sundown. Um, but, uh, you know, my title this morning is Commitment to Change. And if you've ever been a part of Rock House, you've seen some change, right? And it's not stopped. It's still coming. We're looking at building a, I'm going to go ahead and call it a mansion for the Lord down the road. Okay? It's glory to him. We don't deserve any of it. We we don't do nothing but a lot of bad things most of the time. But praise him. Okay? Praise him this morning. Commitment to change. I don't know about you, but as I was reading this through Nehemiah, uh, it's the last verse in chapter 9. kind of kicks off into chapter 10. Uh, I kind of felt like, you know, Something in my life needs to change. I wasn't serving God, even though I'm assistant, associate pastor, and youth guy, whatever. And Miss Cammy's already uh, told me I'm off schedule, and she's she, I love her for that because I can't keep up with my life without her. I'd be lost in a lot of ways. And Miss Stacy, um, so you need those people in your life. But that's neither here nor there. I needed a change in my life. I'm not serving God and worshiping and praising Him the way that I should. In the same way God's people were doing right here in Nehemiah, all through Nehemiah. But in chapter 10, they decided it's time for a change, okay? Now, I want to ask you this morning. My question will be filled. Let me back up. My sermon will be filled with questions this morning. I want to get you thinking. Is there ever a time that you feel like you needed a change? Can I get a yeah, amen, or somebody back there? Well, you ain't the chosen frozen there. You can holler at me. I, all right, we're, we're good with that. All right? I don't know. Hey, preach it, sister. I hear you, Miss Teresa. That's another testament, Miss Teresa. I mean, my goodness. It's all around us, folks. Just open your eyes. Look at the miracles that God's doing and has done and will continue to do. But I don't know about you. I need to look at my life through a different lens. I'm a father now. Okay, I can't. My Fridays and Saturday nights are, are a little bit different. They're indoors. <laughs> a lot of nursery rhymes, okay? And we're not even into the sermon, so... Pray that we get there today. Um, but I needed a change, okay? And in Nehemiah chapter 10, last verse of chapter 9, God's people noticed, hey, we need a change. And we need to make this commitment to God that, hey, if we break this, we're, we're going to ask him to curse us. This was a, an oath that was asked. I know it sounds kind of weird. We wouldn't do that, I don't think. We would say, God, if I go out and break the speed limit, don't let me have a flat tire. Okay, we wouldn't do that, but this is kind of how far that these people, God's people, Nehemiah 9 and 10, have took this, okay? So Nehemiah chapter 9, we know that God's people have this moment of admission. They realized Pastor Tyler done an awesome job. Listen, I don't know about you, and I'm on a rabbit's trail this morning, but my heart's so full. I love that man and his family, and we're never going to see eye to eye, 
You know, me and him, he likes baseball, I like football, and we go different ways on that. We argue, which, you know, that's very minor, but we're not going to see eye to eye. But I promise you, in my heart of hearts, that man has a will for this church and his life, and he's willing to step up and, and battle for us here at Rock House. I, I, I talked to him about some of the battles that he's fought. I said, why don't you let me in as associate pastor and all those? He said, I wouldn't do anybody like that for the world. Now that I, I'm glad he don't, okay? I'm glad he don't. Let me just say that, okay? So, getting back into the scripture. In chapter 9, God's people notices they're not praising God the way they should. They're not worshiping God the way they should. Their understanding of God is not what it should be, and their attention to God and his word aren't in the right place. And there's a whole other sermon on that. But we'll just get into this. I think it's safe to say that if our priorities aren't right, our relationship with God's not going to grow. Think about that. If you don't put your wife number one, that relationship's going to be a little stagnant. If you don't put your kids right in that mix, it's going to be a little stagnant. If you don't put God above those, there's a chance that those two are not going to click. Okay? And that's what I've been having a little trouble with, not going to lie. All right? Our friendships, our marriages, our, our workplaces, our homes, okay, won't be the same if we don't live it for Jesus and work it for Jesus and play with our kids for Jesus. Listen, I love little, listening to little Isla. <laughs> she's perfected talking in tongues, I want to say. I don't have a clue what she's saying, but she's just a babbling on, and, and uh, I love it. You know, God's blessed me. I, I can't even... But uh, Elin also, and my wife, Stacy, God bless her. Um, but here's what we see in chapter 9, what I love about it. They're having this confession of sin. We didn't do this for you, God. We didn't do this. And, and it goes on and on. I mean, it's a whole chapter. Pastor Tyler highlighted like five verses of it, but it's 37 verses of we didn't do this for you. But at the end of each one, when we didn't do this for you and we abandoned you, they say things like this, but you did not abandon us. We never lacked for nothing, for you are a gracious and compassionate God. How about that? So no matter what, the failures that you've had in life, the failures that you committed this morning screaming at your kids, <laughs> I had a revelation this, this week, and I'm going to mention this lady's name. Uh, Miss Tammy Melton and I got to speak at a volleyball game, and I was feeling about as blue as a fish hook, not realizing that... Uh, Maybe you're affecting somebody, so you might want to check yourself sometimes. And uh, we won't go into conversations that she had, but uh, that we had. But I was just so uplifted to hear that somebody's life might be affected by what we're doing here at Rock House. And it's in the name of Jesus. Don't get it. It shouldn't be RBC. It should be Jesus. That's what it's all about, okay? So we're going to get into the verses this morning, and I'm not going to read all these names. I'll be honest with you. I practiced. It took me an extra six minutes, and that was going back and retrying some of the names. And I know that if it's in the Bible, it needs to be read, and I promise, but I don't want to tell you something that's not true because I ain't going to get all these names right, okay? So here we go. Chapter 9, verse 38. In view of all this, remember their confession to sin in chapter 9. It says, in view of all this, we're making a binding agreement in writing on a sealed document containing the names of our leaders, Levites, and priests. And I'm going to read a little bit of 10 just to point something out to you. Those whose seals were on the document, I'm going to read this first name, the governor, Nehemiah. 
And I'm going to skip to 28, okay? Because if you're in your Bibles, there's a list of names. That, I mean, it is a lot of names. Basically, everybody at Rock House Baptist put their seal on this right here, okay? Verse 28 says, The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, and temple servants, along with their wives, sons, and daughters, everyone who is able to understand, that's all of us, and who has separated themselves from the surrounding peoples to obey the law of God, join with their noble brothers and commit themselves with a sworn oath to follow the law of God given through the God's servant Moses and to obey carefully all the commands, ordinances, and statutes of the Lord our Lord. That's going to lead me right into my first point. Think about all he said, okay? They've had the law before. They've not followed it. They realize, kind of like what we would do in school. I shouldn't have talked when the teacher was talking, okay? Just something, bring it down to earth with us. But our first point this morning is how deep is your commitment? Think about that in the grand scheme of things. How deep is your commitment to the church? How deep is your commitment to supporting your brothers and sisters in Christ? How deep is your commitment to supporting your pastors? How deep is your commitment to supporting our youth? How deep is your commitment to supporting our elderly, who's very wise? Youth, we need to listen a little more than what we do, okay? I've learned a lot by listening. How deep are we? Is our commitment to supporting our building crew? There's a lot that we could be committed to. But when you think of that word commitment, I want you to ponder what words come to mind. I'm going to call you out a little bit. Paul Sizemore, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think commitment? A promise. Dan Trimble? Can't copy his. Okay, it's not school. Dedication. All righty. Where's Mike Napier at? I'm going to go ahead and call him out because I can, because he's my father-in-law. Mike, commitment, what word comes? We have promises and dedication. Somebody re-echo re, re that. Sincerity, okay, okay, sincerity, awesome. I wrote down some of these things, which is some of the things you all had shouted. Sacrifice, trust, endurance, keeping promises, dedication. Those are some of the things that come to my mind when I'm thinking of commitment. Now we know commitment isn't really a popular word in today's time. Now I know I'm preaching to the choir, okay, but somebody here is not fully committed to something. I'm guilty as, as one of them. The God's word is where my weakness is right now. But let me throw a few things out. And you think about our community. Are people committed to raising their children? Are people committed to staying married? Are people committed to holding a steady job? The hardest thing I've ever done in life is to get up every day and go to work. I'll be honest with you. It is tough. Are people committed to being a productive church member? A productive church member. I said it last week and I butchered it, so I'm going to try again today. We're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve. Okay? Think of that. Are people committed to being an active member in the body of Christ? A proactive member. So think about that. I think our commitments are a representation of our relationship with Jesus. Hmm. Think about that. I think the stronger our commitment to Jesus is, the stronger our commitments to our loved ones, and all that list we just went down a while ago, 
I think if it's where it needs to be, we'll hang in there when times are tough. I think we'll see the big picture. Yeah, right now the road's bumpy. Her and I, me and him, you know, we see things different. But you know what we're all trying to do? Get to the same spot. We all want the same thing. May look at it different. But the greatest thing that we can have in our life is our spiritual discipline. Our spiritual discipline. Newsflash. God doesn't bless disobedience. Think about that. Now you say, well, I'm, I'm pretty good. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself really here. I'm pretty good. But I used to, and this is a confession of mine. About a month ago, I used to get up every morning and read God's Word. You know what I ain't done in a month? I'm too busy for that. I got other things. I'm sleeping in a little extra. Have I seen a revelation through this chapter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to hold it together. I know I'm not worthy. But God's going to use me in some way. Okay? Here's the thing. We know our commitment. We're going to go to the next point. We know our commitment is huge. You know why? Because one day we're going to stand before the Holy of Holies. The main man, he's going to say, Either well done, my good and faithful servant. And I don't even want to talk about the other. He's going to look at our commitment to him. Okay? So a second point is, everyone is a leader. If you can make a commitment, guess what you're going to have to be? A leader in that commitment. Would you all agree that everybody has influence over somebody? I would agree that. If you've got kids, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want any of my girls saying what I used to say a lot. I wouldn't want that going on in my life. Okay? Verse 38 says this. I'm kind of going on a little bit, and I'm going to back up. It says, We are making a binding agreement in writing on a sealed document containing the names of our leaders, Levites, and priests. You see, these people would take a coat of wax or, or a uh, soft clay, and they would put their own personal stamp, either signet ring or something that they had. That way they knew that, hey, Caitlin said she was going to follow through with this. Brittany said she was going to do this. Paul said he was going to do this. It's almost like giving your word, you know. It used to go a long way, that and a firm handshake, okay? But you're going to put your own personal stamp on your commitments. Talking about reputation, we've talked about it before, but as leaders, our lives should look like Jesus. It should look exactly like Jesus, if we can make it that way. Now, I'm going to repeat verse 28 29 just for this reason. The rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, along with their wives and sons, everyone who is able to understand, you may not be a priest and all that other, uh, a singer, I know I'm not a singer, okay, but you're able to understand, have separated themselves from the surrounding people to obey the law of God. Now here's what I mean about that, okay. It says, that they separated themselves from the surrounding people. you got to get in the context of the Bible. We're going to do a little Bible study really quick, okay? For us, that don't mean think that we're holier than thou and looking down upon someone. No, no, no. I'm from Middle Fork. It probably don't get no lower than that, okay? Hey, don't get no lower than that, all right? So nobody, I had a father-in-law that never looked down on me even though I was probably doing a lot of the wrong things, okay? A mother-in-law who drove me to Middle Fork a lot at about midnight, Bless her heart. Don't know how she's still alive. I tried to kill her every way I could, okay? Not literally, but figuratively, okay? So, it's not that. We are to show love. But here's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. This should be the difference. We 
Christians know that we are sinners saved by grace. And the only difference <laughs> is that we realize we're fallen and we need a Savior. Can I get amen? We need a Savior. Those who are lost realize they don't need much at all but their self. They're confused. Okay? But let me ask you about this. I mean, I've thought real hard about this. How has your actions, your commitments changed since you started following Jesus? Think about that. Does your life B.C. era before Christ in your life? I get all the time people say, well, that was Brian B.C. or Hub. They call me Hub. That was Hub B.C. And this is Hub A.C. after Christ come in his life. Do they look the same? Do you... <laughs> Does your Friday and Saturday nights look the same? If they do, how about this? Does your daily walk look the same? If it does, we, we might want to rethink what we're doing, okay? And this is what they were doing, okay? God's people were separating themselves because they didn't want to fall into the trap of serving other gods. Because at this time, we're going to go on this a little more. Different tribes have kind of come in and brought false gods, okay? And that's where they're at at this time. And so they're separating themselves from those people, getting back to the people that God had set them apart to be, all right? So that's where they're at. But our third point this morning is this. I got tickled at Brother Dan. He said, uh, I like that third point you got, so y'all get ready for this, okay? He didn't even know what I was talking about, I don't think, other than Scripture, okay? Our comments, our commitments, let me back up. Our commitments and comments, if you want to be honest, need to be specific. They need to be specific, okay? Verse 29 said, God's people commit themselves with a sworn oath to follow the law of God, of God given through them, through Moses, and to obey carefully all the commands, ordinances, and statutes of the Lord our Lord. You see, they started with the law. We talked about this. That they were given before, and they broke. We got a, a brother Kyle in here. He, he's part of the police force now. Praise the Lord. I think a godly man in the police force, what more can we get, right? I'm thinking that's awesome, okay? I, if they break the law, Kyle, what happens? More than likely, they're going to go to jail if they get caught. Well, here's the thing. We're always caught by God. We may get away with uh, society's law, but God knows everything, okay? So here's what they did. They knew where they had completely failed. Now, this is going to be a little lengthy, but hang in there with me. I know, it's, I know it's almost lunchtime. But this is the details of their vows. Verse 30 says this. We will not give our daughters in marriage to the surrounding peoples. We will not take their daughters as wives for our sons. If you can date back a little bit, King Solomon, he, he liked women. He had many wives, okay? And so when he started, the women wasn't necessarily the problem. It was the gods that they worshipped. They brought in all these false gods, and therefore the people that God had set apart, King Solomon, okay, his people, were now worshiping all these false gods because they didn't separate themselves as they're doing now, okay? So, verse 31 says, When the surrounding peoples bring merchandise or any kind of grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them. Praise the Lord for Chick-fil-A. I thought about that. That was totally... 
not really in the scripture, but I thought, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or a holy day. We will also leave the land uncultivated in the seventh year. And we will cancel every debt. Now that's pretty self-explanatory right there. But I want to go a little deeper. The Sabbath is truly meant for what? A day of worship, God. A day of rest for God. A day of honor and praise for God. Now for them, that meant obviously their Sabbath day. But did you know we can have that any day of the week? God's given us that free will. Jesus came and fulfilled the law to say, hey, you know, I might pick a, a grain of wheat on the Sabbath. But that's not neither here nor there. The thing is that you're giving that time to God, okay? They decided that no matter what good deals come their way, on Sunday, guess what we weren't going to do? Or Sabbath, shall I say. We're not going to buy it. The crops wouldn't grow in seven years. Now, that was for the land to kind of repurpose, recultivate itself, but there was actually a deeper meaning. If all you had to eat was what you grew, but on the seventh year you couldn't grow nothing, what's that mean? You're going to be kind of hungry, right? Let's do the math. I mean, I ain't sharp, all right? Really what they were saying was, we're going to trust God. We're going to give God this opportunity. <laughs> put him in a box, to provide for us. But really, if they would look back and date the law, they were supposed to be storing up this grain. So, let's go to verse 32. It says, We will impose the following commands on ourselves, to give an eighth of an ounce of silver yearly for the service of the house of our God. Now, these ordinances that they're about to start, it's just the beginning of their commitment to the house of God. Verse 33 says, The bread displayed before the Lord, the daily grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbath and new moon offerings, the appointed festivals, the holy things, the sin offerings to atone for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. The bread. I want to go back to the bread right here really quick because I thought this was so neat. It may not be neat for you, but I thought it was so neat as I was studying. The bread displayed before the Lord, it had a, a name called the showbread, okay? The showbread, and this was only to be changed out on the Sabbath. Well, before, that showbread meant nothing to them. So what they're essentially saying is that God's provision for us and God's perseverance, I think I said that right, Perseverance, perseverance, there you go. Perseverance for us meant nothing. There was 12 loaves that laid on the, the table for the showbread that represented the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? Verse 34 says, We have cast lots among the priests, Levites, and people for the donation of wood by our ancestral families and at the appointed times each year. They are to bring the wood to our God's house to burn on the altar, of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. Now, studies kind of revealed this to me. Why would they cast lots? Why would they say, hey, why not the richest come? And, and, and maybe you're a big name from the community, so you come first. And this, you know, and putting other people, prioritizing their, their self, I guess is what I'm just saying. They would cast lots because of this. It would show the will of God. That's how they would show the will of God at this time in their lives, okay? Instead of taking matters into their own hands, they'll say, okay. And you can do a little deeper study on this if you want, but they're, they're going to trust God and His will. It's all moving from uh, us to God through this whole scripture. Verse 35 says, We will bring the, 
the first fruits of our land and of every fruit tree to the Lord's house year by year. Verse 36, we will also bring the firstborn of our sons and our livestock as prescribed by the law and will bring the firstborn of our heads and flocks to the house of our God, to the priest who serve in our God's house. You see, there was something kind of, uh, the temple tax, which is something that's, going back in a little Bible study here, something that covered a lot of different things, but they would actually bring their firstborn to the priest and they would pay a tax to have their firstborn sanctified. So you think about having to do all that, yet we can just ask for Jesus in our hearts. We don't have to pay nothing. Think about how serious. I know it's a lot of verses, but there's a lot of seriousness in this. Here we go, verse 37. We're almost finished. We will bring a loaf of our first batch of dough to the priest and to the storerooms of the house of our God. We'll also bring the first fruits of our grain offerings of every fruit tree and of the new wine and fresh oils. A tenth of our land produce belongs to the Levites. The Levites are to collect one-tenth offering in our agricultural towns. A priest from Aaron's descendants which is what they should have been doing all along, is to accompany the Levites when they collect the tenth. And the Levites are to take a tenth of this offering to the storerooms of the treasury in the house of our God. In verse 39, if you don't hear anything, hang on to the last sentence of this verse, please. For the Israelites and the Levites are to bring the contributions of grain, new wine, fresh oils to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are kept and where the priests who are ministers are. So they're bringing it right to before God. At this time, that's called bringing it before God, right there at the altar before God, along with the gatekeepers and the singers. This is, if you don't hear anything this morning, please hear this. They made this vow. We will not neglect the house of God. We will not neglect the house of God. I love how they made this ordinance for themselves. And we're about to wrap this up. I don't know who's... Who's singing? But they made this ordinance for themselves that not only would they be committed to the law, but they would go a little bit further, above and beyond. Kind of felt a little guilty for all that they had done wrong. But this ordinance would make them become more obedient in their lives. And I wonder as a church, do we do that? Do we do that as individuals? Is everything that we do to be more obedient to Jesus Christ. If it's not, and I'm guilty of it, but if it's not, we need to really, really look at that. And I pray that we realize that everything we have belongs to who? It's God's. He gifted it for you. He gifted it for me. There ain't nothing I have on, nothing I have belongs to me. It all belongs to Him. So this morning, please know that God's calling us to be more obedient. This is a hard one for me. He's calling us to know His Word better. He speaks to us through His Word. We've got to open that book. Turn on that cell phone, that audio Bible. Get on the internet and listen to BibleGateway.com. I ain't telling you to go anywhere else on the internet. But go to Bible Gateway. Okay? Love it. Let's give everything we have to Him. Let's put the control of our lives back into His. That's a sermon for me. And I hope it's a sermon for you. I hope God's Word is 
you leave here and it's really going to penetrate and you think, how can I be more obedient to God? Because in chapter 11, you're going to see a whole other world open up because of their obedience. So guess what that means? You have to be back next Sunday. Or, I can get in the Word myself. If you don't know Jesus, this is the bottom line. If you're not covered in the blood, as Brother Steve says, this morning, please make that decision. There's nothing no greater in your life. <laughs> nothing that keeps you so humble yet so hungry all at once for the Lord. If you would and you're able, please stand. We'll open this altar up. I'll pray for us and then let's go before God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message today. God, I want to personally thank you for looking around this room and watching and seeing the miracles that you've performed. Lord, I pray that we stay stronger in our commitment to you, God, so we can be stronger in our commitment to other people around us, that we can be stronger in our commitments to the right people. Father, let us not neglect the house that you've provided for us. That's talking about our bodies as well, Lord. We want to bring everything to the church, but yet, Father, we are the church. Brother Dan talked about how you're going to come back and get us. You're not going to grab this building and take it with you. You're going to grab us, our hearts, Father, our spirit. Father, I want to be with you. And I don't want anybody else in this room to be anywhere else but sitting with me and you on the streets of gold. At the right hand of the Father, Lord, I love you. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.